Welcome to the Sweet Spot, sponsored by Pinch a Penny Pool Patio Spa. I'm your host, Corey Bradley. And we all know the NBA playoffs are in full swing right now. Four teams remaining, Celtics Heat, Warriors Mavs. But there's one team in particular that I feel like just does not get the respect they deserve. I mean, this is a team that had the second best record in the month of February. The second best record in the month of March. And from February to the end of the season in April, they had the best record. 24 wins, 6 losses, the best record in the post-All-Star break, 17-5. and But no one talks about this group. And I'm joined by my good friend, huge Boston Celtics fan, Brandon Davis, man. Brandon, first of all, welcome to the sweet spot, dude. How you doing? I'm doing good. I appreciate you having me on, man. Hey, for sure, dude. Like, you know, we've had several conversations about Boston over the last few months throughout the course of the season. And this group, man, for whatever reason, does not get the respect they deserve. I mean, how does that make you feel knowing that what, no matter what this team does, it's still about the Warriors, it's still about the Suns who got ousted, and the Celtics beat the Bucks, but they were still talking about Giannis. Man, tell me, how does it feel just kind of being a fan of a team that's constantly being disrespected? I mean, on the one hand, you got to look at it like we're not getting as much coverage as these other teams that so we don't have that target on our back. Mm-hmm. And so we still have that chip on our shoulder that we're coming after all these other teams that uh, in previous seasons they've beaten us out of the playoffs like we had the Bucks last year or the uh, the Nets last year, Bucks a couple years before that, and the Heat, uh, the bubble season mm-hmm. uh, when we were playing so well, and then just got beat out very badly. But uh, it is frustrating on the other hand because like we don't get uh, the TV coverage that all these other teams get, even though we're playing so much better than they are. Yeah. Uh, so it's harder to get to watch those teams besides just highlights. Um, so yeah, I think you can look at it those two different ways, but I think now that the playoffs are going on and they see what the Celtics are about, they are getting a little more respect that I think is well-deserved. So which one of those teams that's stealing the national coverage bothers you most? Like who should the Celtics definitely should be getting this national exposure over? I mean, I think the Lakers for sure. I mean, they get. <laughs> we've talked about it. They had like what fifty-four national nationally televised games, but their fifteen games under five hundred didn't even make mm-hmm. the playoffs. Mm-hmm. Yeah, can't stand those guys, man. That's where it's tough to watch the NBA sometimes, especially during regular season, because oh, they don't sure. give the teams who deserve it, who who deserve to be on TV and and are actually good teams. We don't get a chance to see those because we put LeBron on TV every night. Now, who's your favorite player on this Celtics team, man? Who's your guy? I mean, I'm a I'm a big Jason Tatum fan, uh, but I think that Jalen Brown for sure gets overshadowed sometimes by how good Jason Tatum can be. Yeah. Um, but you got to have that one-two punch. Uh, so I'd say it's one of those two guys. Even though I love Marcus Smart as well, I think he's the glue guy on the team. Now, speaking of Tatum and Brown. You know, the last couple seasons, there's been a lot of chirping of can this group coexist? 
And so even early this year, they were 17 and 19 at one point, and people started to, okay, do you trade Tatum? Do you trade Brown? Do you break up this group? I mean, what are your thoughts on kind of how that how it's played out and all that talk that happened over the last couple of years? So I think the biggest thing is uh, the team that they've built around those guys over the past couple seasons. So, like, they tried Kyrie Irving out with them. They tried Kimba Walker um, and a, a lot of other ball-dominant players. And now, so you have three people trying to share the spotlight there. And then instead, they went with Marcus Smart, who's kind of been sitting there for a while, who can more facilitate those two guys. Um, and now, so, they're the one-two punch. They're the main two on the team um, that we look to for scoring. So I think it's easier for them to get the touches they need. And I think that over the second half of the season, uh, they've really proved that they can play well together. And so now they're playing more as uh, they're looking for the right play, not just their shot, because now they have the ball in their hands more often that they don't have that scoring point guard with them. You know what I mean? Yeah, no, I'm with you, man. Um you know, like you said, with Kimba was there and Kyrie was there. Like, you have a young Tatum and Brown trying to find their way. And you saw without those guys, whether they were hurt or before one of those guys was joined the team, they 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 played well. They just played yeah. freely. You know, when you add someone of Kimba's caliber or Kyrie's stature, the first thing you do is, is like, okay, is defer. Like, okay, this is their team. I'll get my shots in the floor of the offense. But what these guys needed, Tatum and Brown, they needed to know they were the guys. They can take 30 shots, and it's not an issue. There's no uh, problem trying to get those shots either. So uh, I'm with you, man. I think that was the biggest difference. Once those guys finally knew they were the two, along with having someone at the point who understood – that they need to get the ball. They need to get their touches. And uh, I think that's where the difference lied. And so, speaking of that point guard position, Marcus Smart. I mean, this is a dude who's had to place a lot of two guards, you know, uh, or a lot of two guard at that position, I should say. And he's had to kind of evolve in a true point guard mentality. And we've seen that over the last year or so. Uh, speak on Marcus Smart, man, and just how important he is to this team, what you've seen in the evolution of his game as well. Yeah, so, I mean, when he came into the league, uh, he wasn't playing point. He was a defensive-minded two-guard that didn't shoot the ball that well. Uh, I think his passing ability has always been there, but over the past two to three seasons, uh, we've really seen how good of a passer he is. And especially this season, how good of a facilitator he can be, um, as well as uh, he's developed that jump shot. Mm -hmm. The defense has always been there, and it's—I mean, it was, I think, finally after several years of him, uh, how he should have won Defensive Player of the Year <laughs> in the past. He, he finally got it this year. Um, so I think that was big for him to get that recognition but like i was telling you the other day there's not many true point guards left in the nba um two at the most that i can think of but over his career i think he's kind of developed into more of that 
what a true point guard should be. Yeah. Score when he needs to, but he finds the guys uh, open in the spots that they're they're best at, and he puts the pressure on the other team defensively. He attacks when it's open. He shoots when uh, he's open, so he's putting the pressure on the other team offensively. So, I mean, I think he's really uh, fit that role, and it was it was cool. I saw a quote of him today. He was. He just said, "I'm glad that I finally have the opportunity to show this organization and the world what I can do at point guard." Yeah. Because they've, like I was saying, they trusted other guys more of that scoring point guard with Kyrie and Kimba. I mean, but he's been sitting under their belt this whole time, and they haven't used him uh, to his best ability yet. Mm-hmm. Man, yeah, you you can't help but love a guy like Marcus Smart. Man, he's. So intense on both ends of the court. I know he's the type of guy that you love to play with and you hate to play against. And, you know, you briefly alluded to him winning the Defensive Player of the Year Award this year. The first time by a guard since 1996 when Gary Payton won the award, which is absolutely ridiculous. Crazy. How rewarding was it to see him win that award knowing that he's been a great defender since he entered the league? Oh man, like I think it was uh it was huge not only for him but the whole team and the whole league because uh for so long it's just been talked about like uh, Rudy Gobert. He gets this many blocks a game, he mm-hmm. alters this many shots, but yeah, he doesn't leave the paint. Yep. He doesn't go out and he doesn't guard the best player every game. He just stands there and waits for them to come to him. Uh but you get a guy like Marcus Smart, he's out on the perimeter the whole time. If you look at the Bucks series, the last couple games, they kind of threw him on Giannis, too. Uh, he draws the offensive fouls. He's uh, putting that constant on-ball on pressure, and he does it all without fouling. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I think that's one of the biggest things. Like, you look at all these good defenders, uh, like even Jimmy Butler uh, and Bridges for the Suns, they don't foul often, even though they're guarding the best players on the court. Uh, but they don't get the recognition as the big guys because they don't get the uh, the highlight blocks. Yeah. But, I mean, they're playing 48 minutes against the opponent's best player every single night. Man, I'm with you. Um, like when, you know, Smart did win that award. And that stat, that fact that I mentioned, the first guard since 96, that's insane. I mean, what drives the NBA it's the guard play. And right. so people who play the game, who, you know, even on Wednesdays like we do, you know, trying to guard some of these perimeter guys, like obviously it's not professional level, but the fact that you have to understand a player's tendencies, you know, like, okay, when he's top of the key, 85% of the time he's going left, you know, or when he's here on this block, this is the move he's going to make. Like, as a perimeter player, you have to know all those kind of strengths and weaknesses every single night, and it's a different player every night. But when you're yeah. Gobert or Dwight Howard and all these centers that's won it over the years, all you do is camp in the paint and just, you know, alter shots. Like, that's that's so – there's no effort there. I mean, I just think it's so disrespectful because, like, a couple years ago when uh, Paul George – it was Paul George and Rudy Gobert. They were the two front one runners for uh, Defensive Player of the Year, I think, when he was still with the Thunder. And then they gave it to Rudy Gobert. 
That's just that's crazy. Mm-hmm. Paul George is such a good on ball defender, yes. and he's getting the uh, he's blocking shots too. Yeah. But Rudy, he's only blocking shots. He's not on ball all to- all at all times like that. Like people don't understand, like having to switch and fight over screens, and you know, mm-hmm. think about it, having to chase Curry every night, and then you have to guard Jimmy Butler and what man, Brandon Ingram, like some of these six eight guys, and that can do everything. Uh, it's it's I'm fi- I'm glad that he's finally got his due, and maybe just maybe that the leaf will start to turn, and some of these perimeter defenders will finally get their due. Yeah, I mean, I'm, the fans can see it. Like, the fans watch it every night. They can see who the better defenders are, like Patrick Beverly. Yeah. I mean, he's a crazy defender. How has he never won Defensive Player of the mm-hmm. Year? It's because of the position he plays. Tony Allen, another guy that comes to mind, that Grizzlies oh, yeah. team that they had. Mark Gasol won them. He won one. Mm-hmm. But the Tony Allen never did. You know, so the NBA, man. That's all I can say sometimes is that's I the know. NBA. <laughs> Pinch a Penny Pool, Patio, and Spa is the introduction sponsor for The Sweet Spot with Corey Bradley. More than just a full-service pool and supply company, they offer backyard entertainment options like big green eggs, clear light infrared saunas, and patio furniture. Locally owned and operated by Jason and Amy Sharp. Pinch a Penny Pool, Patio, and Spa, 1435 Westgate Parkway in Dothan. Our phone, 334-671-POOL. Care Animal Center is a local business partner of The Sweet Spot with Corey Bradley. Their goal has always been to assemble a team that is dedicated to providing quality veterinary services for their clients' pets. Care Animal Center offers surgical, dental, medical, and pet wellness programs for that furry member of the family. Their website is careanimal.net. Care Animal Center, 3454 West Main Street in Dothan, 334-794-6333. Many of us spend more time thinking about what's for dinner than thinking about retirement. But if you think your retirement deserves more attention, I can help. I'm Edward Jones Financial Advisor, Greg Wakefield. Stop by our office at 5630 West Main Street in Dothan. Edward Jones, making sense of investing. Member SIPC. So I'm joined by my good friend Brandon Davis, huge Celtics fan, as they're in a tough battle with the Miami Heat in the Eastern Conference Finals. Brandon, man, talk about first-year head coach Ime Udoka. Like, this is a a podcast episode of not getting your due, not getting your respect. And this is another dude, man. Like I said, he wasn't the coach of the year finalist, but here he is out coaching some of the best. Man, speak on Udoka, kind of what you thought when they first hired him and what you've seen so far in his first season. So when they first hired him, uh, I'd never heard of the guy. Mm-hmm. I was a little skeptical just because, you know, first-time head coach, mm-hmm. bringing him into an, or- an organization like the Celtics just because they have that uh, that great history of winning. Um, so I was, I was just curious as to uh, what he was going to bring. And I thought the uh, move to keep Brad Stevens in the organization was uh, – pretty interesting how they just promoted him and I, I was wondering how that dynamic would work like previous head coach uh with the new head coach but um i think he's done a terrific job his first year uh obviously the first half of the season didn't go as planned they were the 10th seed in the mm-hmm. east but 
like you see like it's not just uh like it's not an overnight thing like you gotta get to know the guys uh you gotta get the right guys to play in the system and uh like they've they've had to go through that this season they started out with like schroeder or schroeder mm -hmm. and josh richardson at the beginning it didn't work out uh they made the right moves they brought in Derek white which was a huge pickup mm. um and guys are i don't want to say well guys are figuring out the roles yeah. that they should have on the team yeah like last season uh guys were more um, just free to take whatever shots they wanted i felt like under mm -hmm. brad stevens um but this year they're smarter with the ball they're smarter with their shot selection um and i think there's just an overall toughness to the team that uh he has brought in his first year uh, especially with the way that he's so uh defensive minded mm -hmm. man their defense uh is something else to watch yeah I absolutely love watching them, their defense, man. Um, this is a defense that is ranked second overall in defensive rating. Um, you know, Udoka is a Spurs guy, and that's what he brought when he played. Winning yep. championships, he was a defensive guy, and he could knock down the three, and he's finally got his opportunity. And so what you learn under one of the best ever, Greg Popovich, is defense and and ball movement. You kind of talked about Brad Stevens and how there was a little more freedom in shot selection last year. What was it about Brad Stevens as a head coach that you had more reservations about? Um, I think he was a great coach, uh, but I think like he kind of peaked. Mm. Um, like he had a good thing going when uh, Isaiah Thomas was there, yeah. and then they brought in the new guys. They, they like when they got Tatum and Brown. Um, they brought in Kyrie, and he couldn't. I don't know if it was the personalities that were all on the team just didn't go well together, but it was the same thing with Kimba. Like high expectations. Uh that he never he he couldn't make it past the conference finals. Yeah. Um I don't know. So it was just like you didn't know what you were going to get every night. Mm -hmm. Um but with uh our new coach, Ime, like you like you know what you're going to get. You're going to get good defense every night. You're going to get effort. You're going to get good shots. You don't know if they're going to fall just cuz that's how the game goes. Yeah. But like you know what you're getting. So I think that's the big difference with Brad in uh Ime is the intensity that they bring because uh, you can see like i mean brad he's a he's a genius he he knows the game very well um but i feel like the passion isn't the same you know yeah and you talked about brad stevens making that move to the front office very interesting but uh somebody with that basketball mind if he's accepting which is so far he has been um you know, the, the Celtics could have something really brewing for years to come up there in Boston. And speaking of one of those moves that Brad Stevens made to the trade deadline, one that absolutely broke my heart and crushed me, is the addition of Derek White. And uh, talk about White, man. What have you seen that's helped elevate this Celtics team to a new level? I think... Uh 
like ever since the All Star break, um, it's just clicked. They finally got the guys to fit the roles they needed. Uh, they weren't very deep on the bench. Like they had Richardson coming mm-hmm. off the bench. Um, but let's be honest. I mean, he's he's getting past his prime. Like he was a good uh, shot creator and uh score early on but he didn't really fit our system that we were playing with uh and i think adding Derek white we get that uh i mean he's not a great shooter but he penetrates well um and he can find the open man and he plays he plays defense um and i think with uh richardson it took shots away from uh, our better players brown and tatum obviously um and so that gave uh that gave us a boost on the defensive end when we got white and also uh it helped ball movement on offense like that was that was another thing under brad stevens like the ball was very stagnant but now it moves around so much better um i kind of want to just touch on one more thing with the the coaching uh I, i heard something interesting the other night all four teams that are left in the playoffs, their coaches, um, they got to select their staff, like all their staff. Mm. Um, so I think that's uh, one big thing is with the dynamic with uh, Ime and Brad is Brad is giving him the reins of the team. Yeah. And he's saying, what do you need to win? Let me go get that for you. Yeah. Because like uh, Brad Stevens has been making the moves to get the players we need. But it's Ime's plan, and it's his coaching team that's, uh, like, fulfilling that plan, you know? Yep. Man, that's so critical. Regardless of it's NFL, NBA, MLB, or, you know, some office in San Francisco, or I don't – it doesn't matter, man. You just – if you're going to put somebody in position, you got to trust them to make those decisions to hire the people around them to have the most success. And so – um yeah, that's imperative, man. Any uh, any head coach, supervisor, you got to have that same understanding that we're on the same page, and you're gonna allow me to actually do my job and not let me not or not handcuff me, you know. So, right. Yeah, so. you don't have to look over your shoulder every time you do something. Yeah. Uh, like it's your team, you get to do it. Tell me what exactly. you need, and I'll help you accomplish exactly. the goal. We're all on the same team. Man, you couldn't say it better, man. Uh, so Brandon, man, before I let you go, give me the keys for Boston to win four out of seven against Miami in advance to the NBA Finals. What will it take for this Celtics team to win four games in advance to the championship? I think the biggest thing, uh, you just gotta, you gotta keep doing what you're doing in the first half to get that lead because both first halves they've built a nice lead um and then they have to continue to play hard and not just try to run the clock out in the second half uh offensively uh they gotta they gotta make the smart passes uh there's a few plays in game one that uh tatum turned the ball over like three times in a row because lazy passes uh so just staying engaged in the game for sure um, and then bringing that defensive intensity, they kind of lost it a little bit uh, in game one. Uh, but, I mean, that's that's not too surprising, knowing that 
A, Smart is out, and B, Horford's out, which yeah. is, I mean, two huge pieces to what we do. Um, they have to contain Jimmy Butler because outside of him, like if, if he's not running their offense, if he's not getting the touches he needs, they're not going to win because yeah. they can't put up enough points. Um, I saw something that uh, P.J. Tucker, Kyle Lowry, uh, Strauss, and – uh, Vincent are all questionable for next game with injuries. Uh, I hate they're out, but we have to take advantage of when they oh, are yeah. like that. Definitely. So, uh, like, I want to beat you when you're at your best, but I, I, <laughs> I'm not going to hold back when you're not either, you know? <laughs> yeah. Uh, hey, you take the W however you can get it. That's right. Yeah, I mean, we were down two players in the first game, so we'll see. Um,. But, yeah, we just got to keep looking for the good shots, getting players open, um, and not settling. Like, I think the first game they got a little too complacent, uh, and they were trying to take lanes that weren't there. Like, every time they drove in the second half, they drove into a double team, and uh, when they tried to kick it out, it was too late. And so, turnovers. So, we just got to protect the ball against that stingy defense that the Heat have. So, uh, yeah, I think those are the biggest keys. All right, so one last question, man. Who will be the X factor if the Celtics do indeed take four out of seven over this Miami Heat team? Who do you see being the X factor for the Celtics? Because we know what Tatum and Brown brings, even smart. Who would be the X factor to get that done? Man, uh, people are going to think I'm crazy, but... (laughs) I think Al Horford is one of the biggest guys on the team. I mean, you can you see what he does uh, when they need him to be there. Like you saw, you saw what he did against Giannis. Mm-hmm. Um, you saw what he did against the Bucks. And I think that uh, veteran leadership—that's um, what we need on the team. The one game that he was out in this series so far, uh, I think Smart alluded to it last night in his post-game interview. They mm-hmm. asked him. What's the biggest thing that uh, Horf- that Horford and Smart bring to the team? And he said poise yeah. and experience in the playoffs. Uh, so I think that that leadership that he can bring is going to be uh, very big in this playoff series against a very good Heat team. Man, I don't mm-hmm. know. So I'd say maybe Horford, yeah. but also like he's not going to win the series for us, if you know what I mean. Uh, so, so we got to have Tatum there to step up. But, yeah, I'd say, I'd say maybe Horford. Al Horford. Yeah, Horford and Smart. You heard it here first, man. Al Horford. Watch for him to be the potential difference if Boston does indeed advance past the Miami Heat. You've been listening to Brandon Davis discuss the rise of his Boston Celtics as they look to continue their road of redemption. Uh, playoff losses, loss to the Bucks back in 2019, the Heat in 2020, the Nets last year in 2021. So far, they're two for two. They swept the Nets, and then they beat the Bucks in seven. So uh, we'll see if they can make a three for three and get past the Miami Heat this year. Brandon, I appreciate you swinging by the sweet spot, man. Yes, sir. Thanks for having me. Celtics in six, baby. (laughs) (laughs) Many of us spend more time thinking about what's for dinner than thinking about retirement. But if you think your retirement deserves more attention, 
I can help. I'm Edward Jones Financial Advisor Greg Wakefield. Stop by our office at 5630 West Main Street in Dothan. Edward Jones, making sense of investing. Member SIPC. Care Animal Center is a local business partner of The Sweet Spot with Corey Bradley. Their goal has always been to assemble a team that is dedicated to providing quality veterinary services for their clients' pets. Care Animal Center offers surgical, dental, medical, and pet wellness programs for that furry member of the family. Their website is careanimal.net. Care Animal Center, 3454 West Main Street in Dothan, 334-794-6333. Pinch a Penny Pool, Patio, and Spa is the introduction sponsor for The Sweet Spot with Corey Bradley. More than just a full-service pool and supply company, they offer backyard entertainment options like Big Green Eggs, clear light infrared saunas, and patio furniture. Locally owned and operated by Jason and Amy Sharp. Pinch a Penny Pool Patio and Spa, 1435 Westgate Parkway in Dothan. Our phone, 334-671-POOL. Welcome back to The Sweet Spot, sponsored by Pinch a Penny Pool Patio Spa. Special thanks to my guy Brandon Davis coming on the show to talk about those Boston Celtics, the best team no one talks about. I mean, you hear about Golden State and you hear about the Bucks and the Nets and the horrible Lakers, but you never hear about the Boston Celtics. This team, as I spoke about earlier in the episode, they were ninth. They were ninth in the Eastern Conference at the start of February. March 1st, they were in sixth place. And then by the end of the season, April 10th, they climbed all the way to second place, two games out of first behind the Miami Heat. The best record from February to April, 24 wins, six losses during that stretch. And yet we didn't hear anything about Boston during that time going into the playoffs. You know, no one really spoke of them as a true threat to make a run for an NBA championship. But here they are taking on the Miami Heat in the Eastern Conference Finals. And the Heat are a very good team. Like, me speaking on Boston doesn't discount anything that the Warriors have done, the Heat have done, the Bucks, all those teams that I previously mentioned. I just want to shine a light on this Celtics team that doesn't get that praise, that national attention that all these other franchises do. Because, like I said, what Ime Udoka has done in his first year as the head coach of this franchise, has been remarkable. I mean, like I said, we talked about it. Tatum and Brown, people were saying, you got to trade one. They don't work well together. It's Mark Smart, a true point guard. Like, can you win with this group? And in his first year as a head coach, Udoka has proven. He has proven. He has shown in his first season that, yes, there was some potential that needed to be unlocked with this team. A team that has the sixth best offensive rating and the second best defensive rating. There were only four other teams who were in the top ten in both. That was the Suns, the Grizzlies, the Heat, and Jazz. Only five teams total were in the top ten in both offensive rating and defensive rating. So don't be surprised if this team does advance to the NBA Finals with a real shot and a real possibility to become this year's NBA champion. The Boston Celtics, the best team this year that no one ever talks about. 